Hello, Gems. Welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Jaina Baumgartner about the importance of asking for help. She is a Sitecore Strategy MVP, Coveo MVP, Optimizely MVP, and the co-founder of Pixelaration. We talked about the impact that COVID has had on working mothers, how to change careers, and developing her app, Pickash. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Jaina, welcome to the show. I'm so, so glad that you're taking the time to chat with me today. I am so excited to be here. You have been uh, an inspiration to me for a long time, so I'm really glad to be invited to the show and have a chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope you don't make me cry like Megan did. <laughs> yeah. I will try. <laughs> yeah, make you so... cry. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> anyway, let's just jump in and have you tell us how you um started in tech and your overall story. Yeah, sure. So uh, my dad was a software engineer and, um, you know, he, I don't know that he pushed me to be a software engineer, but he certainly like inspired me to be a, to be a software engineer. And uh, I took my first programming class when I was 10 years old. Uh, It was uh, a basic programming class. But even after taking a programming class, I didn't quite know what a software engineer was. Like, I remember other friends talking about, you know, being lawyers and doctors. And I feel like even as a kid, that's way more obvious, like what that is, as compared to, oh, I'm going to be a software engineer. Well, what what do you do? Like, I have a hard time explaining to my daughter what I do. And sometimes she tells me, Like, I wish you were a doctor so that it would be easy, you know, to explain to my friends what you do. But I stuck with it. You know, I I, I still wanted to explore what it meant and then took on computer science classes in college and really loved it. Um, And I guess that's how I got into tech. That's amazing. First of all, I can't even count how many people I've had who whose major influence was their father, including myself. Um, I I didn't have anybody in the family. Um, actually, my uh, uncle, I learned like while I was in college that he he was a COBOL oh, developer. Wow. Yeah. And I was learning COBOL. I, I, I really should have reached out to him more. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But then the other thing, I think a lot of people don't know what we do because there's little to, you know, extremely wrong representation in the media of yeah. what we do. Like I, I have been watching uh Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon like, Valley. A yes. whole lot because I, I'm like running a startup here and I'm trying to find clients and doing all yeah. this. And so that it's actually a pretty good reference for some things. But like, you know, they're talking about code in this abstract way and you can tell the code on their screen is like nothing, you know, it's not doing anything. Well, I can tell, you can probably (laughs) tell, but 
Um, but yeah, it it's like shrouded in mystery. People like my friends are always like, you're like Chandler from Friends. Nobody knows what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, my sister's, uh, I went to my sister's bachelorette party this past weekend and her friends asked me what I do. And it's so weird because every time someone asks me, I'm like, how do I make it understandable to them? You know, exactly yeah. what I do. Yeah. Um, it is, it is, a uh, cause you know, even saying building websites, it could go, it's, it, it's all over the spectrum. Mm -hmm. What building websites mean? Yeah. For me, whenever I tell anybody that they immediately assume that I'm a designer because I'm a girl. <laughs> and so I couldn't know anything about server architecture or, you know, I, back end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I also find that sometimes if I'm, if I'm talking to like non-tech people, you know, normals, I guess. Yeah. Um, once I start talking about what I do, they lose interest immediately because they have no idea what I'm talking about. That's true. And that yeah. feels bad. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The, my only saving grace is what my husband does and the way he explains it is even more boring than the way I explain <laughs> what I do. So, um, so I guess that's my saving grace. It's just like after they've completely lost interest in what I'm saying, I just turn over to my husband and have him explain it. That's amazing. That is a really good way to go. I've also had a lot of times where people will ask my husband what he does. And he's always just like, what I do is really stupid. You should ask my wife what she does. You know? But Aww. what he does isn't stupid. He produces all of our content and it's a lot. Cool. So. Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, back to tech. <laughs> so you are a Sitecore uh, strategy MVP and a Coveo search MVP. That's pretty awesome. How did you start your your path to achieving those amazing <laughs> awards? Um, I actually just recently also got my Optimizely MVP. So. I have oh, I a third MVP on the list as well. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I would say the biggest thing is just being inspired to do it. So um, I was I remember when I was working on the client side, um, I was a lead developer and I was working with Navigation at Arts back then, now EPAM. Um, and David Mead was the lead developer. I know him. From, yeah from Navigation Arts on our project. And uh, he had gotten his very first Sitecore MVP and was super excited about it. Um, and, and I looked into it and I'm like, I want that one day. Uh, so, you know, with any goal, what I would say is goals are always daunting. I mean, you have a startup, so that's a huge goal to achieve. Um, I would say with any goal, it's just about breaking it down into consumable portions and taking small steps towards it. And then um, being excited about the process and the journey, not just the end, right? Like I, I love having conversations like this or creating content or um, writing a blog article about something I find. And that process is super, super exciting to me. I find joy in the process. So the end goal wasn't hard when there is so much joy in just doing it. I love that. Yeah. I think that um, 
MVPs in any category, technology, whatever, uh, the main thing is to have a passion for that technology. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you, Docker, you know, like I have the passion for that, <laughs> like totally. Um, yeah. And plus their MVPs are called captains. So I would love to get like a captain's hat and have a little tiara drawn on the front. That'd be awesome. Oh, that would be, that would be really cool. <laughs> it's yeah. My dream. Yeah. But yeah, to achieve MVP status, like um, what should people know about um, starting that journey and um, trying to achieve this, what seems like an insurmountable goal, honestly? Um. You know, it's funny because every year I apply to be an MVP, even though this is my fourth psychostrategy MVP, every year I apply for it. I always wonder, have I done enough? Like um, that thought has never stopped going through my head. Um, and there have definitely been years where um, where I felt more confident than others. Um, but uh but what I would say about like feeling that it's an insurmountable goal and how how I've gotten there, um, first of all, it's it's asking for help. That's I would say the number one thing. I have so many mentors, you know, along the way in this space, uh, especially on the psycho side. David Mead, Mike Thompson, Greg Baxter, Elon Bear, Jill Grozalski you, um, just so many people that I've watched and seen, like, what have they done that I would like to do that I would like to achieve? How are they getting there? And um, not necessarily copy, but like, try to use try to use what they're doing as inspiration to figure out, you know, um, what I could do to basically get there. So like I said, the top things that I've done is being involved in the community. Um, written blogs and put out, uh, you know, video content like this. Like I have a, I too have a Psychor Summit series where I talk to, uh, I specifically focus on one thing within the Psychor universe, one specialty. And then every month it's a different specialty and I'll talk to a guest, but it'll be specifically about Psychor. Um, so, and I think the coolest part about doing all of this is that I learn so much every time um, and that's really exciting. So, uh, so I guess my two biggest advices are, is look, ask for help and, and, you know, do what you're already passionate about. Absolutely. That's all really, really great advice. I was writing things down. Um, yeah, I will absolutely put links to all of your stuff, you know, in the uh, description slash uh, show notes. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You are welcome. This question isn't on my list, but um, one of the things that women ask me, uh, most of all, but it's, everybody asks me this, how do you, how do you have the guts to put out video content? You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> That's interesting because I don't even think about it as guts. Like I, right. I just, um, 
I just do it. In fact, I find video content easier to do than than um than blog content because I feel like I get I get caught up in myself when I'm putting out blog content where I never think it's good enough. So I keep on, keep on, keep on changing it. Like for example, I've been writing this article for a year and two months um, about modifying the marketing funnel because I feel like the marketing funnel is so old and um, it doesn't make sense in our world anymore. But you know, I keep imagining what this new funnel should look like and how the software tool should change and I can never get it just right. Whereas with video content, like right now, I did very little to prepare for it. I looked at your questions. I I put a few notes of what I would talk about and here I am, you know, talking about it. So it's interesting, but I almost feel like it takes more guts for me to publish that blog content than it takes for me to be here and talk to you. Um, Do you feel like when you're asked that question that, people feel that for guys, it doesn't take as much guts as for girls. Absolutely. Because I can't even begin to tell you some of the shitty comments I've had on, on tech stuff that I've published. I have been told I I shouldn't wear glasses. I, I would be prettier without glasses. I was teaching basic HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So don't know what I looked like had anything to do on that. Um, I've, I've been called the C word. I won't oh, say wow. it out loud here. It means something a lot different in the States than it does in the UK, just like a regular <laughs> word, there, interesting. but not right. here. Yeah. And I, I have gotten actual death threats. Oh my gosh. Wow. People that are the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, people really are. Um, yeah. I will say this. I will say this. I actually, in my normal day to day, I don't love putting on makeup or getting ready. Like I love, you know, I have a five-year-old, like I've said already like five times in this, but um, you know, it, it is, especially when I first had a child, it was really hard adjusting my schedule to getting her ready and getting out the door and dropping her off at daycare. And there was this constant um, schedule of pumping that I had to go through. And it was so hard to just get ready. And now that I work uh, at home, I actually have to go through my schedule every morning and look at, do I really need to put on makeup today? Totally. Um, so this, so I, that is one thing that like, I feel like guys are so much luckier than girls are because, and, and there is this constant, um, I don't even know. I mean, maybe bias is the right word. I'm not sure, but where or expectations where everyone, you know, should be on camera. But if I were to walk on camera without makeup, it would look like I'm unprepared. Whereas a guy, all he has to do is brush his hair and on and be on camera. So, you know, my 30 minutes of getting ready is not the same as your two minutes of getting ready. Right. So, um, as long as the expectations are the same, that if I walk on camera, it doesn't look that I'm not ready, then I'm happy to be on camera. Yeah, um, but yeah. there is there is this difference in expectations. Um, so I guess that would be the most guts about, about doing video content. Like I wish I had the guts to do it just the way I am, like just get on the camera without makeup. 
but um but I don't have those guts yet that's what I'll say yeah I have like one TikTok where I was wearing no makeup and of course that has the least amount of views because <laughs> people are the worst but <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I I feel like for me um video content is is hard it's it's a whole thing you know yeah. one of these days I will do a like studio tour in my relatively small office but I've got like lighting and I've got multiple microphones and all these like screens I think and I've stuff seen to help. pictures pictures yeah. like every so often you post pictures right of exactly of things yeah I've seen yeah. pictures of your office which is it's crazy. It looks great. It's amazing. Right? It just, you yeah. have no idea what I'm looking at right now. What's <laughs> behind this camera. There are, there are four lights wow. right now and, and it's daytime, but still, yeah. you know, like, and they're all positioned in the right like, places. <laughs> anyway. Well, you look great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I also have all, all the beauty filters on in Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be fair, so do I. I've dragged that, um, the yeah. little, you know, the dragger where you can like blur out yeah. stuff. I've dragged it all the way to the right. Exactly. But that, it's only because I don't want to put on foundation and that just allows me not to put on foundation then. That's such a good idea. I feel like <laughs> COVID has really um, changed me in that. And I think this applies to a lot of people. I don't really care what I look like normally. Okay. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm super made up for this, but yeah, this is like public, you know? Um, but I've, I've logged into team meetings and stuff with a stitch of makeup on. I'm totally cool with that because my team also sees me like this. So, you know, yeah, I don't really that's care. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. It is nice. Um, anyway, again, back to tech. I'm sorry, you know, this is a <laughs> podcast. It's a whole stream of consciousness thing. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about your awesome job as the director of <laughs> digital solutions. What exactly is that? Um, so that's a good question, but I will say that actually yesterday was my first day taking a step down from that job. So um, so I was the director of digital solutions at RDA and, um, and I did really enjoy it, um, but it is a very stressful job. So what I did do as the director of digital solutions is basically head up RDA's pre-sales and strategy practice. So when I started at RDA, there was no strategy practice. It, you know, RDA was a group of very technical developers and I started um, RDA strategy practice and created offerings around digital strategy um, and, and created um, basically created a whole practice that didn't exist before. Um, and then I also oversee all the pre-sales for uh, what we call digital sales and marketing. So that includes Salesforce, Sitecore, Optimizely, Kaveo, all those things. Um, however, it has been an extremely stressful job, and I have this problem where I can't turn my work off and, you know, back to my five-year-old daughter. It's not that I necessarily worked like 60 or 80-hour weeks, but when I wasn't working, my mind was still always there and always working, and I kind of want a job where I'm able to focus on 
other things in life other than my daughter or other than no other than my work (laughs) definitely my daughter um so uh so yeah yesterday was my first day with a step down so now I'm a senior digital strategist at RDA that's still awesome that (laughs) I I have also had times where I was in like leadership and I was still trying to do my old job, you know, at the same yeah. time yes. because I loved it and I wanted to learn leadership and maybe I wasn't ready yet. And yeah, I was just like, I'm going to keep coding for a while. Yeah. 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 I think one of my issues too, with taking on the director job was I never wanted to leave what I was doing. So you're right. I led the team and took on a lot of work and both together was nearly impossible. Yeah. Absolutely. Leading teams is hard. You know, it's a lot of work. You're almost a a counselor, you know, making sure everybody's, you know, happy every day and taking care of people who are having a hard time and just, you know, literally you're a mom at work and a mom at home. That's, that's basically what, what it, what it, surmounted to. Exactly. That is why moms make great leaders. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're all, it's like a natural instinct to care for people. And those types of people are the best leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Speaking about um, leadership as a female, what is the hardest part of that? The hardest part is, and this is, you know, what I've been struggling with recently. It's just when I pick my career, I feel guilty. And when I pick my family, I feel lazy. And I just, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of women who have figured it out or seem to seem to have figured it out, but I certainly haven't. So if there are others out there like me, you know, I would love to know them because um, because, you know, I, I regularly can't, can't figure out which one to choose or how to balance them out in a way that I feel happy. Like I'm giving enough to both. Um, and it's interesting because I don't see this, I don't see this, um, this issue in, in guys at all, you know, like, uh, but, but I definitely have this problem of, I don't know which one. Um, I should pick or how I should pick them so that they're so that they give me satisfaction um, in in the right way. I'll also say that the hardest part probably of like because I did when I right before I had a daughter, I was managing a 30 person team. It's the biggest team I've managed and uh, and going taking maternity leave while managing a 30 person team. And I did turn it all off and go on maternity leave for three months, but coming back was so, so hard, Um, you know, being reintegrated into the team. And I'll say like, I didn't feel like there was much leeway in terms of, okay, you know, you're coming back from three months. Like, how do we get you reintegrated? There wasn't much of that. It was expected that I pick up where I left off and Um, And there wasn't a moment of hesitation of, well, yeah, I have more responsibilities now um, and I'm trying to figure out my life, you know, so that 
if I look at my career and pick a, a point in my career that was the hardest for me, that would have been the point in my career that was the hardest to the point that I did have depression at that time and, you know, couldn't figure out what to do with my life. Yeah. Um, I, I feel for every, every mother, especially right now with COVID and everything that's happened, working moms really took the brunt of that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it, really pisses me off. So like, first of all, women shouldn't be expected to choose between career or family. That is a very old, old way of thinking from like the fifties and sixties when women were just entering into the workforce. And it was like, Oh, you work what about your family? Don't you want to take care of your family? Why do you hate your family? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And like the second thing that I have done a lot of research about lately is that I now fully support a four day work week, four days, That's, yeah, 32 hours because the five day work week was built for factory workers back in like, you know, Ford and all of that stuff over a hundred years ago. And so we've obviously, and furthermore, it was set up with this idea in mind that the man worked and the woman stayed home and took care of the home and the family and cooked meals for every, you know, every day of the day. That's not how it is anymore. So why are we still doing the five-day work week? It doesn't work for women, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. This, this is the hill on which I will die. Like, Yeah. I mean, I would even go so far as saying, you know, whenever I talk about, well, I don't want to work 40 hours, there is a huge um, conception of, okay, then you can't have these kinds of jobs. And um and I would say, like, what's the big deal with 40 hours? It doesn't change my capabilities. I am one of the only people in the world that has, you know, three technology MVPs. It doesn't change that. So what if I work 32 hours? You know, like th- that um, I would say that I give more in 32 hours than a lot of people do in 40. So so what's the difference? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And personally, for me, after after six hours a day, like my brain is just not the same anymore because like you, I work at this furious pace. People, when I used to work in offices, people would complain about how loud and annoying my typing was because I <laughs> type with a furious, like I, I have to get this out. And then on top of that, I type like, I don't know, 100, 120 words per minute. Wow, that's amazing. People, when I type in front of non-tech people, they're just like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I mean, I code every day. I'm I'm sure a a lot of people are like me, but maybe they don't type as loud because they're not like, you know, trying to get everything out. What's what's funny is I actually love loud typing to the point that I don't pick keyboards if it doesn't make a sound because <laughs> I need my I need my typing to make a sound. 
<laughs> I I will never get a mechanical keyboard, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that would be, oh God, the clickety clack of me <laughs> like typing would reverberate all over the house yeah. and my cats would get scared. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, back to you, back to tech. <laughs> um, you have an app and I was looking at all of these achievements that you did and the fact that you, you know, have this awesome job, you have all these MVPs. And then on top of that, you're like working on an app. Tell (laughs) us all about your app and the whole process to like start building an app. I have no idea. I actually, so I started this app. We, I went to a hackathon with my husband and not a hackathon, a startup weekend with my husband. And um, that's where we came up with with the idea for this app together. And then we spent a good two to three years creating it and putting it out. So this was in 2012, I want to say. Unfortunately, at that time, we picked the Windows platform because we were both very familiar with .NET. And we thought, hey, you know, this is an up and coming platform. There might be a lot of uh, a lot of people eventually on it and it might get us some notice in the beginning. Um, But we picked the wrong platform because it died out. And uh, so I have been recently working on getting it up on um, on uh, Android and, and iOS. But the concept of the app is basically it's the scavenger hunt app. So you take a picture of something um, that is your pickache, and then another user has to match the same picture. And if they match it, then they found your pickache. So it could be like of the Washington Monument at a certain angle, or you know, it could be of a local grocery store. Um, and the reason why I've been very into it again recently is because. Um, Because of COVID, a lot of local businesses are struggling. And I think this could be a good way to really, you know, bring up like your local pride and uh, and showcase like these little areas that you're familiar with within your community um, and have others come to it and and find these local businesses and really um, get them going again. I love that. And it's uh, (laughs) called uh, Picash, Picash, yeah, Picash, yeah, that's awesome. You know, it reminds me of a long time ago, and it sucks that this was a long time ago because it was like <laughs> two thousand nine. My um husband and I were at uh, Disney. I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, like I I won't tell you the specific place. This isn't a Disney podcast, anyway. Um, <laughs> And we, we saw this guy with like a notepad because, you know, not everybody had a smartphone back then. So people were still carrying around notepads. And um, he was like checking off stuff. And we were like, I'm sorry, sir, but what you're doing looks interesting. Can, you know, can you tell us about it? It was this um, scavenger hunt where he had a um, website that had specific coordinates within Walt Disney World that you had to find and then 
tell like what was there, you know? But again, there was no like social component to it yet. It was literally just like, I think just a static HTML type or WordPress site um, with a list of stuff. And then, and then people would talk on like Twitter or some other platform. It's really nice to have that all in one anyway that is an area that you could explore. Disney people are crazy. Disney people, it's like, you know, if you're a super fan, you would totally take that app and and go places, take pictures. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Great idea, Shelly. Maybe we should collaborate after this. Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm full of crazy ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, what uh, advice would you have for anyone who is interested in a career in tech? Um, So I would say that I would say that, you know, it depends on where they are in their career. Um, uh, First of all, no matter where you are, you can always although I haven't, you know, and I haven't done it, but I've seen so many others do it and be successful where I feel like you can always start over. And if you want something different, you know, it is totally fine to start over. One of my really good friends, um, one of my best friends moved here from India and has been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Um, and, you know, is And she's never worked in America before, and she's just starting to figure out what she wants to do. But she was a small business owner, nutritionist in India. And although being a nutritionist in India is very different than being a nutritionist here, um, you know, she is she is taking all the steps to start over again and figure it out. And I'm so proud of her. So I would say that that, you know, that's definitely the one thing that no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in your career, especially stay-at-home moms or, you know, somebody who is starting um, starting a career later, there is no reason not to explore tech even then. Um, and another thing I would say is I started, you know, by uh, by going to school and learning the theories and all of that stuff. But gosh, the people that I've worked with that I would say are the smartest people that I've met in my career are self-taught. Like they haven't gone to school. They haven't learned all the theories. They've just, and, you know, even after I graduated, I would say after spending a whole bachelor's and master's learning computer science, I would still say that I knew almost nothing getting into the field. I, the most of the stuff that I've learned is from actually doing. So, um, so do it, like pick up, pick up an app, pick up, you know, a class, like your plural site courses, Shelly, like yeah. just um, start, you can start anywhere and it doesn't have to be going back to school and spending all this money learning it. It can be just, um, you know what, today I'm going to play around with COBOL or I'm going to play probably not, hopefully not, COBOL, <laughs> but yeah. Python or, um, or you know, Node.js or, or any of those things, bring it, you know, start just, or Docker, just um, whatever it might be, like just pick it up and play around with it. It's funny because um, I haven't been programming for a few years now. 
three years ago, I was an architect, but for the last three years, I've been a strategist. So I haven't been programming too much. Um, and I had a developer set up a, a Docker Sitecore site for me. And the issue is I didn't know how to work with containers. Yeah. It's so different from three years ago, what I, what I used to do compared to, um, compared to containers. And I didn't know how to do like simple things anymore. So, you know, I followed you a lot. I listened to Dylan's stuff and uh, I decided I'm going to go back to the basics and understand like how to do the basics with containers and, um, and work up from there. And I'm, I know you, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm a little bit proficient now with, with working with containers. So it does take, it does take the, the moment of like starting, you know, starting from scratch, but don't be afraid and don't be embarrassed. Like it's totally fine. It is, it was tough for me to be like, okay, I was an architect, a psycho architect two years ago, and now I can't write a SQL statement to get, you know, to, to get data back. Like this is crazy, but, um, but again, asking for help, not being embarrassed. I think those are the big things for anyone starting with anything. It's not even starting with tech. It could be that you're extremely proficient with one thing, but the good thing, but the good and bad news about tech is there's always new things and it's constantly changing. So um, we're always learning something new, something else. Absolutely. Yeah. And let me tell you that Docker was so hard to learn. There was such a learning curve with that. And yes. I'll be frank, before I did my plural site course on managing Sitecore Docker containers, I didn't know anything about Docker. I literally yeah. started where someone else would start by following, you know, instructions on how to set it up. I didn't understand the instructions. I struggled. I put all of that into my course. That is why I I teach well. Sorry, I'm you know, <laughs> I've yeah, I've been told Absolutely. this. Yeah, but like if I'm struggling, I take note of what I'm struggling with because if I'm struggling, other people are too. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's amazing, and that's exactly why you're so inspirational, Shelly. <laughs> that you can like you know that you not only like took it on yourself to learn something new, but you actually took it on yourself to teach others the something new that you learned yourself. So that's, that's amazing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. My passion is to make things not as hard as they were for me, that's for other great. people. Like, I that's just want to help people not struggle, not go to stack overflow and like type in a, an error message and get, you know, so many different responses, most of which are wrong. And then you copy and paste some code and implement it. It doesn't work yeah. and you don't understand why yeah. you need to understand the why to understand yeah. the how. I, when I was an architect and I worked with developers, they would find answers all the time and copy paste them and uh, and wonder why things don't work um, because they just expected to their copying and pasting to work. But you're absolutely right. It's the if you know the how, then um, you can figure out how to make it work, because if you know what it's doing, then you can step through it and understand, well, where is it breaking in this process? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's um it's hard to learn to do that and it takes experience is all. Yes. You know, like I I 
I've been coding now for 22 <laughs> years ish. So yeah, I, I know a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. But like the other thing, the other thing that you said that I'm so passionate about is career switching. Like I, in 2020, I like so many others were just like, you know what? I should be happy every day. I, I don't like my job. My struggle with that, with changing careers to being, you know, like a content creator and a trainer. And now like pretty soon I'm going to be a, like a real CEO. Like I have some prospects wow. and I'll have to hire like a whole friggin' team. Um, to switch off of, you know, coding. And I was a lead uh, dev. Um, I felt like I wasn't doing my degree justice. Like I had spent all of these years on, on this one craft and I was expected to stick with that my whole life. No, you're not. <laughs> Yeah. Do whatever yeah. you want, whatever exactly. you're passionate about. Just be happy, right? That's that's the most important thing. Like I, I talk about this with my sisters all the time because both of my sisters are doctors and in different ways. But we talk about like what is success? You know, is it like is it getting more money? Is it getting like that big house? Or is it just simply just being happy every day? You know, it's not. Um, it's not necessarily something that you have to achieve that success means different things for different people, but I feel like, and, and happiness means different things for different people, but having that feeling every day is what's, what's more important and just doing whatever you need to get there. Exactly. And your salary does not define you personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, honestly, for the past uh, two years, I have made way less money than I used to. But, you know, um, with the expectation that will change and it it is now. Um, but I I I felt like I couldn't. Like stand not making that much money or I mean I make a lot but like I I was making twice as much almost um and I just felt like how can I walk away from this and do my own thing but I <laughs> I told somebody recently that my motto for this year was fuck it I'm doing this I'm I'm just going to try at least if I fail, I'll just get a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not that big of a deal. I, I agree with you. I actually, it's, it's funny because again, this is another reason why you're an inspiration, but I quit my job in 2018 and wanted to do the same thing. It was 2019. I quit my job in 2019 and wanted to do the same thing. And I did it for a year and a half. Um, but like you, I made way lesser working for myself than I did working for a company. Um, and uh, and I worked hard and I actually on a per hour basis, I made a lot more. But there's so much more that goes into running a company that um, that overall annual salary I made way less. And uh, um, I wish I had stuck with it longer. So, you know, you're definitely inspirational in terms of 
sticking with it and now getting to your goals. And um, maybe one day I'll try it out again and do it again. I am happy to help support you in any way. Um, Yeah, like soon, like I said, I'll probably hire a whole team of people and I'm, I'm looking into like HR because right now it's, it's like four people. So we don't really have HR or anything like that. And like accounting and all sorts of other stuff that I've seen other companies do. Yeah. But again, let's go back to asking for help. I do not do this alone. All of the plural site content, all of my online content, my entire business, like I have support. I have people that produce amazing stuff and I have mentors. I have like six solid mentors that I can go to at any time when I'm feeling like imposter syndrome and they're just like, Shelly, you're fine. Just it's cool. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing, Shelly. Yes, I think I think um, you know. Although I had partners, um, I didn't really have mentors. So I feel like I do need. I maybe if I were to redo this, have more of those. Um, you're right. I should have asked for help more. You cannot start a business <laughs> by yourself. There's yes. just no way. Like I, at no point ever was I by myself. I I always yeah. had people to like help out. And I yeah. want to give a special, uh, a special shout out to my sisters. They are, are doing me a huge solid right now. They are helping out with my company and I like really could not do this without them. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. On that note, we need to wrap up. Um, but can you tell people where they can connect with you online and any, um, upcoming, uh, presentations that you have or content? Yeah, sure. So, um, I am speaking at the Psycho World Tour that's happening right now. I'm speaking in Charlotte. Um, that's the next big speaking engagement that I have. Uh, which is happening May 12th in Charlotte in the Whitewater Center. And I think it's open to public. So whoever wants to come over in Charlotte and, and um, you know, hear about Psychor Symposium, it's a great place to hear more. Um, and then uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are my most active social platforms. Um, and I go by Queen of Rohan on Twitter. Uh, and I, honestly, it's so silly because I got that name a long time ago and I used it for Twitter back then. And I just didn't want to create another Twitter account. So I'm like, I'm just going to use this. This is who I am. I love it. I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. And um, pixelration.com is my website where I blog. And then, like I said earlier, I also do the Cyclist Summit series um, uh, once a month, which is focused on a Psychor specific topic. And we are broadening it out now to more than Psychor. So we'll probably be calling it the Summit Series. Um, but recently I published one that was just uh, generic to CDP. Um, so, and uh, and there'll be more like that, which are slightly more, more uh, platform agnostic as well. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. This was a super pleasure. I am so honored to be part of this. Um, I'm so glad you reached out and 
um, I can't wait to see this online, but also the all the others that you've done. <laughs> Thank you so much. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day. Thanks, everyone.